With the news media reporting increasingly more data breaches and cybersecurity events, and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. We're here to help you prevent potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Hello and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the 106th episode of my show. Please subscribe to my show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or whatever your favorite podcast or news app is. Also, please subscribe to my show on the Voice America Business Channel website, and then you will be notified just as soon as each new show is available. Thank you to all my listeners everywhere in the world. I sincerely appreciate you in all of the now 75 plus countries where you are located. And thank you so much for sending all your messages. Please keep them coming. I really do enjoy getting them. My December Privacy Professor Tips message was published on November 30th. You can sign up for them by going to privacyguidance.com or privacysecuritybrainiacs.com and submitting your email in the box on your screen. And they are free, just as they've always been since 2005. The topic of my December Privacy Professor Tips covers security and privacy awareness during the holidays. And it provides tips for identifying scams, along with tips for securing the gifts you receive, along with helping the recipients of the tech gifts that you gave, helping them to secure them and help them to set their security and privacy settings. Well, today I have two perfect guests to discuss this topic here on our show as well. And they are both longtime business colleagues, and I'm so thankful to also have them as longtime friends. So I'm going to start with Cheryl Jackson. I've known Cheryl since around 1994 or 1995, and I first met Cheryl at a Computer Security Institute conference. Cheryl was speaking in a session I attended about the great need for information and computer security training and awareness. And I believe uh, that she was also the security awareness officer at the Coca-Cola company at the time. And I remember that so well. I loved her session so much. It was very inspiring. Cheryl described initiatives she had done and was doing at Coca-Cola and provided a lot of real-life examples. And you know what? Cheryl was the spitting image of Anyetta, the lead singer for the group ABBA. I saw that right away. <laughs> and, and then I had the great opportunity and pleasure of being 
co-workers and friends with Cheryl as well. Still friends, but co-workers at a couple of consulting businesses between 2000 and 2003. Cheryl Jackson is a 40-year information security veteran and recently retired from the Hewlett Packard Company as senior engineer, cybersecurity design and engineering. My other guest is Todd Fitzgerald, and I think I first met Todd around 2004-2005, also at a Computer Security Institute conference, if I'm remembering correctly, and I, I recall meeting Todd at the speaker's reception, but I had also attended his security awareness session that I attended, and it was very informative. I must say, I had never seen anyone to that point use as many visual aids and objects during his session as Todd did. It was really entertaining as well as informative. Todd Fitzgerald promotes cybersecurity leadership collaboration, and he serves as VP of cybersecurity strategy at the Cybersecurity Collaborative and hosts CISO Stories Weekly Podcast. Todd has, uh, has authored four books, including the number one best-selling and award-winning CISO Compass, Navigating Cybersecurity Leadership Challenges with Insights from Pioneers. And I was really honored to be included in that book. And please see much, much more about both Cheryl and Todd in their bios on my Voice America Show episode page. Cheryl and Todd, thank you so much for being my guests today. Welcome to my show. It's a pleasure to be well, here, Rebecca. Well, yes, I'm, it is. I'm, Thanks for inviting us. Oh, I always love talking with you both, and this will be so fun with the three of us, especially this topic, because I know you're passionate about the need for education um, it, of many types of education as I am. So let's just start with this, the general need for security and privacy training first and ongoing uh, awareness training. So what would you like for our listeners? And keep in mind our listeners who are from all over the world and some of them are even students in high school and college while others have been, you know, in our field for decades. So what would you say is the reason why security and privacy training is so important for not only organizations, but also for individuals. And I'll let either one of you start who wants to chime in. Well, I'll, I'll be glad to start off. Um, I, I think one of the things that is, makes it really important for organizations and individuals is that people make assumptions uh, about what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to behave uh, and don't necessarily know what the current threats are or why would somebody do that to me. Um, I, I was actually at a, a football game this last weekend and we were coming back in the car and, and one of the guys who's a physical therapist says, well, Todd, how do you secure your own stuff? 
and and so I'm going through this like list of all these things, and and it was surprising to me to learn that some of those things were really new to him. That that mm. his he was in a smaller organization, and they hadn't taught him all those things, and he didn't realize all those threats. So I I think sometimes we make assumptions about the level of understanding that our that our teams have. Ooh, that's such a good, that's a great observation. And I think too, along with that, those assumptions, I think sometimes people assume that security and privacy has already been taken care of, you know, in the, their environment and with the technologies they're using so that they don't have to think about it. It's already been done for them. Yeah, I think a lot of the challenge is keeping the message fresh and relevant because a lot of the messages are the same. We still need good passwords. We still need unique passwords on all the different platforms and websites that we use. And people have like, oh, heard it, done it. You know, haven't y'all fixed that by now? And we have so much technology in our lives in all kinds of forms, and kids are using technology, you know, almost from birth. So mm-hmm. it's it's familiar and it's convenient, but it can be inconvenient to secure it properly. And I think getting over that hurdle of the idea, well, this is so, in, you know, this is so inconvenient. Why do I need to do that? Ooh, that's another good point. How does it impact them personally, right? And that makes it so important to relate security and privacy protection, not only to how it impacts the organization, but also to the to the individuals themselves. Um, well, then, well, awareness. Let me get into awareness because I know both of you have done so many different awareness events. And, you know, for our listeners, when we're talking about awareness events and activities and products, this is in addition to the more formal training that's provided. So, you know, what are are some of the awareness events or or, you know, t- types of products or communications and so on. Why is that so important to do additional things like that uh, in addition to formal training? I think we used to, you know, be under this impression that if we did these things once a year, that was enough. And and, it, and it's really not because people, people get busy with their jobs. Everybody has a job to do. And, you know, one of my favorite pictures is, is a, a semi going under a bridge and the and the semi gets stuck and and the caption underneath is you had only one job right yeah. and 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 the reality <laughs> is our users don't have just they have more than one job and and when they come to work each day they don't sit down at their desk and say well how can I be more secure today they get distracted uh, I have this book called the the knowing versus doing gap. Uh, and and why we don't do what we're, you know, what we know we're supposed to do. And and I picked up the book because I thought, how could you write a whole book on this? Yeah. <laughs> um, but people just don't <laughs> do what they're supposed to do. But we we get distracted, and so I think I think those other events that we have along the way um, and and reminders are are so important. Well, you know, Todd, to that point, even security pros, I've seen it. Primary, you know, especially at conferences, right? I mean, I see people at 
at security conferences, leaving their computers, you know, in a room while they go have lunch and the room is left empty with all of this hardware just sitting there with the door wide open. And it's like anybody could go in there and, you know, if they didn't take the laptops, why they could put the USB drives in there and take all their data and they wouldn't even know. Sure. Cheryl, I know you've done a lot of awareness activities and had different types of things that you provided in in your many organizations too. I mean, what would you describe as being necessary for additional things, uh, awareness things? Well, I think to, to Todd's point earlier that there's a lot of people that still don't know. So we just, we can't assume that they know. And, and so just keeping the messaging, um, I hate to keep using the word fresh, but it, it, basically it's marketing at its core. You know, we want to get it noticed. We want somebody to read it, understand it, and hopefully act on it. And it's hard to measure sometimes how effective posters in the hall or banners or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing. And I feel like we need to employ a number of different methods and over a period of time. So just kind of consistently being uh, doing something, not, not so much that they start ignoring us because it becomes just so much noise, but, it, but often enough that it reminds people, yeah, this is still important. It's still happening. Yes. You know, the threat yes. is still out there. And you know what I think is so great to see is when, like, I'm on social media and see people bring up security and privacy topics. It's like, oh, they're starting to think about this now. And just as an example, just last week, I don't know if uh, either of you have heard of the Nextdoor social media site, you know, where the neighborhood. Yes. So I'm on there and I love to just kind of watch what's going on. But in that, somebody talked about, oh, well, I went to the grocery store and they made me, they took a copy of my driver's license before they would allow me to buy my wine. And that's a privacy problem, you know? And then, oh my gosh, you should have seen the the conversation that went, took place about privacy, uh, about this wine and scanning your driver's license. And of course, I loved seeing it because it was like, everyone was engaged because it was impacting them personally, right? Yeah, I was at a furniture store over the holidays and it wasn't even a piece of furniture that I was buying. It was some uh, like, uh, you know, knickknack kind of stuff in the, in the store. And it, the purchase amount wasn't even that big. It was like $100 or something like that. And I was paying cash and they yeah. still asked me for my driver's license. And, and they wow. said, well, we, we, need, we need it in the system. And I said, I, I don't I don't see any reason why you need my driver's license. Isn't um, that weird? Well, yeah, it wasn't something that, you know, was like X-rated that you would need to prove you were over 18 for or anything, right? Yeah, so. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> That's that's bizarre, and and you just gave me an idea with the next door thing. I actually uh, want to start a conversation on next door, on the one I'm on, and just see what happens. Uh, with with the example of if they ask for your driver's license and took a copy of it at the grocery store, would you feel that's a violation of your privacy? I love it. Do it. I, I do can't it. wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then tell us how it goes. Absolutely. I will. 
Well, you know, I think this is providing some good background for us to start getting into the holiday season, you know, issue. Because, oh my gosh, there's so many scams going on around the holidays. And there's so many new types of devices that collect data and share data. And people are just doing, you know, they're in a festive mood. And of course, after it's not after COVID yet, I make that clear. It's not after, but we're starting to live with it now and people are getting out more. Um, so, you know, I, I see people saying and doing things like talking about the grocery store or, you know, even a, in line at the pharmacy to get my, my flu shots or anything like that. It's like, Oh my gosh, why are people talking about this? So I guess thinking about the holiday season, what do you guys think are the topics that are currently the most needed to be covered during the holiday season, you know, for organizations, but also for just the general public? Well, I know when when I was working for a large accounting firm uh, and and we rolled out the phishing simulation uh, software in over a hundred countries. And, uh, you know, so we had a we had a very uh, clear program at different times of the year. And, and one of the most effective phishing emails around the holidays uh, was around Cyber Monday, uh, that the day after Cyber Monday, we would send out the phishing with the uh, order tracking uh, status uh that you know that we would send out because people would think oh well yeah i must i must have ordered something oh i wonder where my package is and they wouldn't really pay attention to you know where where that email was coming from uh and and so people would click on those links uh you know and of course those were those were uh, phishing simulations uh but you always have the the gift card purchases uh this time of year Mm -hmm. um you know, the e-cards that people send out for holidays. I, I've seen organizations want to send out e-cards, uh, you know, as a holiday thing. And I've, I always find that interesting. It's like yeah. we 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 have HR department sending that out, and then the security department is sending out a phishing simulation saying, don't click on these links. So it's that a good conflict. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. Well, and do you do, like, with the phishing, you know, now – with texting uh i've gotten phishing text messages and some of them you know they're saying they're from grubhub or or doordash or whatever and and i use those i started using those a lot during covid and i have to really look close Mm -hmm. or i might click on them because it's like yeah i get texts from those organizations all the time yeah, and during the elections, yeah. a lot of phishing, uh, a lot of emails coming out, and it says, "Click this link to learn more." And <laughs> um, it's a really tough problem. It is. And I think this time of year, too, people are signing up for um, insurance, and you know, seniors are signing up for Medicare plans and stuff like that. There's a lot of phishing scams going on around that. Um, and, and I'm like you, I've gotten some of the text ones as well, and they look really legitimate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think as far as the holidays, I have a, a neighbor who she just, she's, uh, she's a senior and she searches, you know, she does web searches for ideas for her grandkids. 
and she'll find, you know, something will pop up that she thinks looks cool, and she'll click on the link and order it. And she said a couple of things that, you know, gee, I don't know why I never got this. I sent them my money and everything. And I'm like, please don't do that. You know, or if you, you know, I've told her, look up, you know, look up the website, type it in. Don't click on stuff that pops up and just randomly comes to you when you didn't solicit it. And that's great advice. And there's another scam that uh, that I I seem to get pretty pretty frequently. I haven't gotten it maybe in the last month or so, but but they but they pop up, and it's where somebody texts you and they say something like, uh, "Oh, are are how are you doing?" You know, Alex, and you respond back and say, you know, I, this is an Alex, and it's oh, sorry, I have the wrong number. Sorry that I bothered you, and then and then you know you play with that for a while, and then to see what was going to happen, and then and then they send you, uh, oh well, you're such a nice person. Can we be friends? And and so they want they want you to become friends and then they'll send you a picture and it's usually a picture of a young woman. And then, and then they want to go over to WhatsApp uh, and because you have encrypted end to end communications there. And so they want to get you into WhatsApp and then this, that's where the scam continues. And then you get the malware and uh, you know, we have to be training people that that people want to be nice and they don't want to ignore somebody that ca- tried to get a hold of somebody, but you know, got the wrong number. You want to help them, uh, and so they're playing into that emotion. Yes, yes. Well, and then all the new gadgets they're getting too. I mean, you know, of course, I've been focused on. IOT is one of my areas of concentration for the past, you know, since 2007, but look at all the IOT devices and people are using those in such an, you know, unsecure privacy harmful ways. And I'm even seeing them used within organizations. I mean, the use of those digital assistants, you know, Alexa's and Google, uh, homes and all those people carry them around and they actually have them in their meetings where they're discussing sensitive information, but they have them there just in case they need to, you know, ask Alexa a question. I mean, the, Oh my just gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in um, healthcare organizations and clinics and so on, the doctors are using them to ask, to look up certain things. So, you know, I think that's another topic just, how to use IoT securely uh, and not, you know, for yourself and then for others too. Absolutely. Well, speaking of doctors, I've been uh, uh, going to an orthopedic surgeon. I have to have shoulder surgery and I was in, I've gone to several different ones. And the last one I was in their office and I walked down the hall before the doctor came in to see me. And there's a, uh, a PC, uh, um, not a PC, a tablet, sitting up on the counter in view of everybody that walked by because I saw it, and my name is up there. It's my records, and it's just sitting on the counter. Now, granted, there were oh. you know employees behind the counter that hopefully if somebody had stopped to read it would have questioned them, but they didn't know me from Adam's house cat. So I could have stopped or somebody else could stop and said, oh, this is mine, and read it. Yes. 
that's crazy. Uh, it was. I mean, there wasn't anything that I pro- there probably wasn't anything I cared if anybody saw, but I'm sure my social security number was in there because you have to give that to doctors. Well, and it's a HIPAA violation, quite frankly, because that's PHI and people walking by do not have a need to see because they are providing you with treatment payment or oper- operations, right? So it's like That's you can't right. just allow people to see the the information about patients uh, in that way on a computer that might lead them to other things anyway. So Yes, agreed. And, and then, you know... With regard to like the texting, one more thing I was thinking of, and we have just a couple of minutes before we go to break here, but um, I, I put out on Facebook, you can find fishers out there so easily, like when you change your photo, your profile photo. I put a new profile photo out there, and oh my gosh, I got phishing messages from generals and from admirals and from CEOs of large organizations. They weren't really those people. (laughs) They were, you know, I went to their fake profile, but that's just to show, you know, people are going to see an opportunity like, oh, this looks like somebody I can scam perhaps. And they're going to get in touch with you and pretend to be someone else. Yeah, it, that's why if you look at my profile pictures on Facebook, they're really old. I, and that's part of why I don't change them, because the last time I changed them, I got a whole bunch of stuff like that. And to Todd's point earlier, I get friend requests on Instagram and Facebook fairly regularly from people I, you know I've never heard of. They're not friends of anybody I know. And, you know, and I know people who will just accept friend requests from anyone, which I think is another good uh, awareness topic. Yes. Well, talking about another awareness topic, we're um, ready for a break at this point in time. And when we come back, let's talk about some more of those awareness topics. So right now it's time for a quick break to hear from our sponsors. I'm speaking today with two cybersecurity experts, Cheryl Jackson and Todd Fitzgerald, and we're talking about the need for security and privacy training and awareness, especially around the holidays. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the privacy professor. Contact me with questions and comments about this show, as well as show topic suggestions using my email, RebeccaHerald at RebeccaHerald.com. Please stay with us. We will be right back after these important messages from my sponsors. The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, research, report writing, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyguidance.com. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages she has published since 2007. Visit privacyguidance.com for help and answers to your questions. 
The Privacy Security Brainiacs team wants everyone responsible for security, privacy, and compliance to stay up to date with the latest news, risks, and security and privacy practices. Check out their growing library of topics, not offered by others. Privacy Security Brainiacs also wants every business to perform automated risk assessments, which are free or value-priced for all types of security and privacy topics. You need to find out more about Privacy Security Brainiacs. Visit PrivacySecurityBrainiacs.com. You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. That's Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Now, back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold. I'm speaking today with two cybersecurity experts, Cheryl Jackson and Todd Fitzgerald, about the need for security and privacy training and awareness, especially around the holidays. So first, before we went to break, we were talking about the need to raise awareness of certain types of topics like phishing on social media. And I think, um, Todd or Cheryl, which of you I think were, was going to make another point right before we went to break? Well, I think there's there's so many topics, Rebecca, that, that that we can bring up with people, and and I think you know one of the things that the pandemic just I think emphasized uh, even more is just the whole work from home, and mm-hmm. and the risks that we're taking, and when we're moving data to different places, and we're moving it, oh, I need to get my work done, so I'll just I'll just put it on OneDrive um, or you know Google Docs or some other place, uh, or I need to get this big file somewhere, so I think I'm going to put it in the Dropbox. And so a lot of times that's a result of the organization not having the right collaboration tools in place to enable employees to to do what they need to do. Uh, And so employees need to get their job done, and so they're going to work around it. So I think, you know, part of security awareness is to take that feedback that we get out of awareness and make sure it gets back into the security program so that we can actually address some of those things and, and possibly put technical measures in place to support them in their jobs. Oh, that is so important. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, putting them out there for basically the world to be able to find through a search <laughs> a search engine is not a good thing or or attaching it as an excel spreadsheet you know personal data to an email and sending it to a big group or whatever um but let's i i want to hear about because both of you have done so many great awareness things throughout your uh careers i mean i've seen you talk about them i've seen you show the items from them so what would each of you say would be maybe the most successful type of awareness activity event or successful training that you've done throughout your career and for those listening who are also practitioners you know what made it successful I think the the ones that that I've been involved with that were the most successful, um, hands down, were 
in-person type events. I don't find the online awareness to be as effective, and I understand sometimes that's our only choice. Um, we work with large global organizations where it's not possible, that, you know, for us personally to be on site or even that we don't have a big enough team to be on site everywhere. So I'm not, I'm not slamming the online stuff. It's, it's useful and we have to do it. But anytime you can do something in person, um, I have always found that bribery works. Um, things like giving out, you know, cookies or food or having drawings. Uh, for prizes, those sorts of things, just things that help people get interested and maybe get them to stop by, um, especially working for companies with that have a brand like Coca-Cola and HP and uh, quite a few others that I've worked with where there's already a lot of merchandising and a lot of times the employees get a lot of, you know, free gimme stuff that are branded. So being able to find ways to still entice people in. And I don't know, maybe some people would think bribery is the wrong way to do it, but I think whatever works. I mean, we've done things like just popping popcorn in the afternoon and had a little kiosk where people could stop by and ask questions or get information or that sort of thing. Yeah. So so I, I agree completely with Cheryl. I, I think the face-to-face uh, is is actually the most effective I think, you know, if I look back at the the most effective training program that we had, uh, where we would go around face to face to different audiences, uh, we would first show a, a video uh, that would be about 20 minutes on a different different topic. Uh, and then this particular uh, occasion, it was a it was a video about Internet usage and email usage. Uh, and it was a fun little video, but we would tell people, watch the video because there's going to be a quiz when you're done with the video. Um, and so uh, we would have them watch the video. And then, uh, as you alluded to earlier, that most of my presentations uh, leverage a lot of props, um, that what we would do is we would use music and we would we would act out the 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 message that was in the video and we would ask them to recall what it was and so for so for example uh one of the songs would was uh eminem with uh will the real slim shady please stand up right and so you'd have people say well what is that and and so you get different answers and in in you know you never you, you all there isn't a right or a wrong answer there if they get one that's close so some people would say oh, oh it was about identity theft which is about what it was right well real slim shady please stand up yeah. and, and we would we would do this to rap music um, and we would actually act this act this out, and then we would move to the move to the next one. Or somebody might say, you know, don't download music at work. Yeah. Um, and so, what was really interesting about it, though, is that in subsequent um, events that we did, people couldn't wait the next year to sign up for the security awareness training session <laughs> because they knew it was going to be an hour of fun. And that's and that's and that's how we how how we build it, uh, and that worked really well. And and so my the partner that I was uh, that we were doing this uh, I did, we did this as a team. Uh, the funniest part about it was is we were in the lunchroom 
one day and she said she was standing she was sitting there and and she's and she overheard these two people talking about the training and one said yeah that was really stupid i don't know i don't know i don't know why we had to go to that training and then and then she starts to say yeah they did this m&m thing and they were they were talking about identity theft and 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 then they were talking about you know, they played This Love by by Maroon 5 and, and they were talking about, you know, not posting your romance stuff on or not using social media to convey messages. And then they did this and then they did that. And she listed everything that we had just talked about in 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 the uh, session. So even when they thought it was dumb, they retained the message. Yes. I think the takeaway is dumb is good because they talk about it. Yeah. You know, they, they were actually talking about the message. Who cares if, if they thought it was dumb? Yeah. And, you know, Todd, I just thought of another one. Lady Gaga, bad romance for those fishing <laughs> on social media. And uh, I thought when you said, um, you know, the real Slim Shady, I thought of spoofing right away. So yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. So. And, and I had one of the technical guys tell me afterwards, so, you know, you guys, this is serious security stuff. You really ought to have a serious message. And I thought, oh, OK. <laughs> but, well, it is serious because it went into their brain right <laughs> yeah and, and another time so i'll tell you about retention because the next year what we did is we dressed up as aliens and we painted our faces green and we glued on sunglasses on and pointy ears and and we went around the office and we had a conference room with three laptops set up in a, in a fog machine and we would oh, take God. people into the into the conference room and the whole idea was we were i was working for a medical insurance company and and we were doing experiments on another planet so so we needed their knowledge and so we would sit them down at a computer and we asked them three multiple choice questions and this is a way that you can test people on their retention in a fun way so we had them answer three questions and those three questions were targeted at the training that we did the year before and what we were testing was the retention rate to see if they actually did it. And we had a 92% retention rate. Wow, that's great. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Oh, gosh, there's there's just so many things that, I mean, the possibilities are endless for awareness activities like that. I wish more organizations would see this as great opportunities. And that engagement gets people in there doing things. But everything we do doesn't always work, right? So a lot of the our listeners, you know, what I find is very helpful is learning from our mistakes um, or things that just don't work. So if you don't mind, uh, if you if you're willing to share what was like the biggest flop or failure, maybe just disappointment for training or an awareness activity uh, that you've done throughout your career and may, and what made it, you know, a flop or a failure or a disappointment. And I'll tell you mine after I hear both of yours. I, I think for me, it was having um, the the corporate people who um, look for political correctness just oh. pick and pull and dissect until we almost had no message left. 
and and they they kind of got to where they were doing that with everything and um we didn't we didn't we weren't allowed to have any kind of face to face you know meetings where you could pull people in to do some of the stuff like Todd talks about that I think would have been wildly successful, something fun and original, and you know, it was just stamped out. And, really? and it, made it, it made it very hard to do. It made me really not want to do it anymore, to be honest. So that's a huge disappointment for you then, huh? I mean, my goodness. It was. I mean, we really had, we, we almost had no message by the time they were done. So I, I have to admit, I cheated a little bit. I, I had a, I, I took a risk. I had kind of a rule um, that I never approached the president of the company of what we were going to do first before we did it. Oh, you're one um, of those apologize later guys. <laughs> I, and so one day we walk into her office painted as green aliens and she just shook her head. <laughs> Um, so what are you guys up to now? And, and so, um, and, and I, I will tell you, you can change the culture because we had a senior management meeting and it was in the early days of HIPAA and, and I wanted to get my message across. And this was one where we were supposed to talk about last year's accomplishments and the goals for next year. And so I had two Nerf guns under the podium and I had, I had written on 26 balls, each of the, each of the HIPAA rules. Oh uh, and so I pulled out the Nerf guns and I just started shooting those balls all over the room at a senior management meeting. And they kind of expected this stuff because of the, they've been to this security awareness sessions. And, but it was very impactful. I said, these are all the things that we have to deal with, with this new HIPAA, HIPAA rule. And so there's, and so, you know what though, I knew it was a success because the next year she said, there will be no PowerPoint presentations and everybody's going to do a skit. I had so many managers that were not happy with me. <laughs> um, that sounds like something out of Napoleon Dynamite, ready for your skin. Yeah, so uh, they knew they knew what caused that. So you can change the culture. Um, I would say my biggest flop and, and biggest uh, failure was we had um, created these red, green, yellow cards. And when we would go to an office the night before, we'd go around the office and we'd go at everybody's desk and we would look around their desk and see, did they have CDs out where they, we'd find the post-it notes with the passwords on it, all that kind of stuff. And we'd mark up a card and they'd get a red, green or yellow card. And then we told them, bring this to the security awareness training session the next day. Bad idea when you're handing out 95% red cards. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> People were so humiliated um, that, number one, they felt violated because we were in their desk. And what else were we looking at in their desk drawers? They were, well, they were quite honestly pissed at us. <laughs> and so... Uh, that was a big learning. Don't do that. Just yeah. don't do that because you know you're going to find stuff in everybody's desk. So just stay out of their desks. Stay out of yeah, and and maybe don't have a visible like red for bad and green <laughs> yeah. for good. Carry. <laughs> I heard a I heard a similar story from from someone else who y'all probably both know from CSI years, 
and she worked for a big company and did their awareness program. And she did a walk around after hours to find, you know, unsecured workstations and sticky notes with passwords and all that kind of stuff. And whenever she found a violation, she would leave a little note. I forget now what it said. It was something that was, you know, kind of cute with one of those little bitty miniature Snickers bars on it. Oh. So kind of sweeten the blow, right? Oh. So, the next, so she'd done this for a while and she walked into her office one morning and there was a miniature Snickers bar that was smashed in the middle of the carpet in her office. Oh my. Oh. And, wow. and I, I don't remember how, but I think she, uh, she somehow knew where it came from. I don't remember if they'd written a note or what, but <laughs> fingerprints. Sort of thing. <laughs> okay. Message received. <laughs> wow. So somebody did not like even with the candy. Well, what my biggest flop had to do with planning ahead and the unexpected becoming reality. So do you remember um, the, back in the 90s when, when I was uh, responsible for security and privacy at a, a large Fortune 200 uh, financial and health insurance company? Why? We were doing um, in the late '90s the the security. It was uh, uh, International Security Day, and it was usually November 29th or 30th. I think I always had it at on the 29th uh, when it was on the business day week. Um, so at this large company, why you know that's when we would have our awareness day, and I'd have guest speakers. I had Clifford Stoll come in one year and that was a huge success. Well, in 1997, um, I was planning for Security Awareness Day on Friday, November 29th, but it was less weird because it was like, okay, we've been doing this now for three, three years, three or four years, but I could not get the auditorium. I could not get any of the meeting rooms. Well, come to find out, it was also um, the day that HR was going to celebrate, or not celebrate, I shouldn't say, but recognize World AIDS Day. Now, World AIDS Day was on December 1st, but that year it was on a Sunday. So they had decided the the year before they started planning on where they were going to have everything at, so they reserved everything, every internal meeting room, auditorium, and everything HR decided that was their day to do their event. So they were having their event. Where did we have our event? The only thing we had left was outside in a comparatively small plaza-like area. This is central Iowa at the end of November when it was snowing. <laughs> so, you know, it was one of those things where everybody was at the HR events. And of course, they had a huge amount of budget where I didn't have hardly any budget to begin with. So we were out there shivering with fun, we thought would be fun things to do, you know, in the snow at the end of November uh, for our event. So I would say plan way ahead. If you're, if you need space, plan ahead. So you won't be caught outside in, in the cold, literally, while others are staying inside, enjoying, you know, hot treats at a, a different event that just happened to be taking place on the same day. <laughs> yeah. You wow. get an, or, or budget for a drawing for a parka. 
There, there you go. Yeah, if we would have had a budget, we could have done that. I always had to go to our marketing area and see what their reject or no longer used marketing things were because uh like when one year I used what they used to have is one of those you know those wheel of fortune spinning wheels Mm -hmm. um well yeah they weren't using their yeah and I had no budget I mean you guys know this awareness and training for security in the 90s I got zero budget for training and awareness basically so I would go to the marketing area and they let me use their spinning wheel and then I made a, a different slices for the security and privacy question, you know, uh, depending for each different slice, and it was based upon our policies, but it was related to situations in the work area. And I parked that outside of our cafeteria for a full week. And the first day, everybody was looking at it kind of odd because they're like, what's going on here? Well, if you got the answer right for the, the question that you landed on, you know, after you spun the wheel, we gave them a 50 cent um, coupon for the cafeteria that they were going into. And at that time, 50 cents got them, you know, a large coffee or something like that. So at the beginning of the week, not very many people participated, but there were enough people seeing them start to answer the questions that each day we started having more and more people. And in fact, there was this one guy, he studied our policies and he would keep going through and asking questions so he could get, you know, a a large stack of 50 cent coupons (laughs) to use. So that was a success, not a failure, but I thought that was good to balance my big, huge failure in the snow. I think one thing that I learned too, that the giveaways um, that I, I spent money on the giveaways, uh, Your something, money. some, something that was, that was meaningful. So I would, I bought these, uh, staplers that were stand up staplers on your desk and they were just so unique that, that people loved them. And, and we'd have a little slogan printed on them at the end of the day, lock it away. Because uh, we were promoting the clean desk policy that year, and but everybody had the stapler on their desk. Whereas you give somebody a pen, then you know they end up in a desk drawer somewhere, and they just don't have the impact that you want. Or we would get a, a, a we had a big project around security, and we had the slogan uh, taking uh, security taking a closer look, and we bought those little fold out magnifying glasses, uh, you know that and that are very handy and and people would hang on to those and they keep them at their desk uh so anything you know i'd rather spend a few bucks on something like that than something that that isn't going to have the lasting power that's a great idea we had a a situation where i got i got a little bit of budget but it was too small to get any kind of giveaway for everybody there was just no way and so I had, we had a, a big project going on at the company and it had a, had its own name and identity with this little caricature somebody had drawn. So I had t-shirts made up with the project name and this little character on the front. And then on the back, our, our, uh, the VP who was running the project didn't really like security. He didn't really want us around. And I had finally kind of sort of won him over. And I walked in there one day and he said, I know, I know, security is my life. So I had, as a as a nod to him and kind of a joke to see how long it'd take him to notice, I had security is my life printed across the back. Oh, and then, I love it. <laughs> 
That's when we great. went out to the we went out to the manufacturing plant. Oh, and by the way, the caricature on the front was actually him. Yeah. Uh, it was a caricature of him. So when I went out oh. to the manufacturing plants and did awareness sessions, I didn't have enough shirts for everybody, and so I'd do a drawing, one for each class. And, oh, cool. you know, I figured, um, the, you know, I thought the guys in the plants, they're not going to want these, you know, they're going to wash the car or mow the lawn or something with them. Those became the most prized possessions. They, one of the plants called me the yes. following year and said, we need you to come back out. We've got some new people, and they're starting to share passwords and stuff. And, by the way, when you come, bring some more of those shirts. I didn't win bring one some more shirts. Oh, I love it. You know, I hate to, to cut us off, but we're already at the end of our hour. So I guess oh, if each of you sorry. can take – no, don't be sorry. It's great, great information. So what – give one – you know, one item, one tip or something that you want each of our listeners to leave with today uh, before we close close our show. I would just say that security awareness is often overlooked, but it's probably one of the most important things you can do in your organization. And look at your incidents that are happening in, in your organization and you the, use those to build your security program. Thank you. I agree, and I'm going to pose mine in in the form of a question. Is a check-in-the-box security awareness program actually better than nothing at all? So if it's something that is so repetitive or they've heard it before or it's not interesting or relevant and they don't listen to it, are you really hurting yourself more than helping? Oh, great. Love it. Well, I, I wish we'll have to come back and have another conversation sometime because there's so much more we could talk about. But today we've been uh, talking uh, with Cheryl Jackson and Todd Fitzgerald. And, you know, they are longtime friends and, and cybersecurity experts. And we've been talking about the need for security and privacy training awareness, especially around the holidays. Please send feedback about this show. Would you like to hear more about this topic? Well, just let me know. And, uh, you know, you can contact me using Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. If you can't make the scheduled debut show each month on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Central, you can always listen to all my show recordings on my site or through your app. Until our next show, ask those that you do business with, that you work for, and, you know, even your family and friends when they're out online and doing things, are they doing all that they can to secure personal information? Uh, following all sorts of security practices. Be privacy aware in the month ahead. Happy holidays to everyone, no matter what holiday you are celebrating throughout these months. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week. Data security and privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next time, stay safe.